Hello, everyone, and welcome back to my second podcast. This is episode two. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for the love and support on the first episode. It was really awesome to see that uh, I think it's got over 100 views right now, and that's awesome. Uh, I think I gained like 10 subscribers just from uploading that, which is like crazy because I haven't gotten a subscriber in probably two years, maybe. I don't even know. But it was really awesome to see that it got some, um, it was noticed. So I'm really happy about that. And thank you so much for that. So we're getting into the second podcast today. We're going to talk about La La Land from uh, 2016. While navigating their careers in Los Angeles, a pianist and actress fall in love while attempting to reconcile their aspirations for the future. And that is what La La Land is containing here. Um, it, It has Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone as the lead roles both of like probably Ryan Gosling one of my favorite actors and Emma Stone one of my favorite actresses uh Ryan Gosling is in First Man Blade Runner 2049 The Notebook Drive The Nice Guys The Place Beyond the Pines The Big Short um one of my favorites that he's in is Blade Runner 2049 I'm just absolutely obsessed with that movie because Roger Deakins shot it is directed by Denis Villeneuve so that's an amazing movie if you haven't seen that definitely check it out and there's definitely going to be spoilers in this video so if you haven't seen La La Land do not listen to this podcast probably uh, I mean it kind of makes more sense if you've seen it so um, if you haven't seen La La Land maybe stay away from this one um, there will definitely be uh, another podcast that you could watch in the future so or listen to uh, and then Emma Stone has starred in Superbad, Easy A, The Help, Birdman, and The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. And she also starred in the Netflix TV series Maniac with Jonah Hill. And Superbad, I think she's like, that's just like a classical movie. You just turn it on and laugh at. She's great. She's funny in that. And then Birdman, also, she played a very interesting role in Birdman. I, I hate using that word, interesting. She played a different role in Birdman, something you wouldn't expect her to play. She was kind of this, like, a character that, I mean, she was, like, a druggie, but she was also this, like, outcast-type person that, like, didn't like her dad. It's very, very different for Emma Stone, if I had to say. But that's just her filmography, just for her. Uh, This was the second time that Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling collaborated. They also collaborated in Gangster Squad and Crazy Stupid Love together. Um, The other actors in this movie are John Legend, who plays Keith. You have J.K. Simmons, Rosemary DeWitt, which is Sebastian's sister. Tom Everett Scott, which is David, uh, Mia's husband, like later on in the film. Like I said, spoilers. That was a spoiler. Um... Uh, cinematographer Linus Sandrin, who has worked on American Hustle and First Man, who is also which is also also directed by Damien Chazelle, and he's uh, he shot No Time to Die, the new Bond film, which is very exciting. And the composer is Justin Hurwitz, who also did Whiplash and First Man with Damien Chazelle. The budget of the film was thirty million. Originally, it was going to be one million. The uh, Justin Hurwitz and uh, Damien Chazelle had the idea. They wrote this script in when they were seniors in Harvard at Harvard. So they had this idea of La La Land, but they could only get a million for it, and they decided that wasn't enough. And uh, Damien Chazelle went on to make Whiplash. And then after Whiplash was a su- 
success, he was able to make La La Land get a budget of thirty million, and it grossed almost four hundred fifty billion. I've written down four hundred forty nine million two hundred eighty seven thousand six hundred forty five worldwide, which is a ton of money, a ton of money. And one of my favorite quotes from uh, Ryan Gosling or Sebastian in the movie is, "I'm letting life hit me until it gets tired, then I'll hit back." It's a classic rope-a-dope. <laughs> I just love that line. Um, there's many lines in the movie where it's like, um, there's the exchange through me and Sebastian when Mia says, I'm always going to love you. And Sebastian says back, I will always love you too. That's just like iconic. And so what I want to be talking about the movie, just besides just giving a rundown of like random stuff, I want to give my take on the movie, which I think is probably one of the best movies in the 2010s that the decade because now we're in 2021 that's weird to think that we're not in that decade anymore that's just weird to to think about but i think la la land is one of the best movies of the 2010s and it has left uh or it has a specific spot in my heart definitely just the ending absolutely blows me away every time i've seen i think i've seen la la land maybe five six seven times i don't have it written down but somewhere around there um i first watched it uh like last year actually 2019 because i'm not a huge fan of musicals i like singing in the rain and that is the only one i can think of i don't know if any other musicals like i'm not a huge fan of the greatest showman i watched it and i was like okay i can't watch this this isn't my thing but and then i watched this movie and it earned greece greece also i'm not a fan of i love john travolta but like greece was not my thing um so la la land i watched and it was it's not a musical in in my opinion it's really not a musical it's this romantic story about two lovers in LA and there's mu- there's the musical genre kind of that it kind of fits into it it feels more naturalistic other than Greece where it's like they go into these songs and it just feels so forced and it's I don't know when I watched Greece it just nothing felt right I know it's like an iconic movie and it should be it's like great but i don't i don't la la land is just a totally different feel and people have complained that this reason what i'm saying is why i like la la land because it's not this huge musical people complain that oh ryan gosling emma stone they're not like good enough dancers or singers and i think that's kind of the point that's even what damien chazelle said he wanted to choreograph it and direct it so that they weren't perfect singers and they weren't perfect dancers because that makes it more natural and when you're watching them um, go into dancing and or singing it's it's natural it really is natural and I think that's one of the greatest things about this film is it feels real like I mean the whole thing with Mia or Emma Stone's character trying to um well she's auditioning in the in like the first half of the film and then she has the audition later on in the film that eventually sparks her career but it's a little exaggerated in her auditions that she's treated like absolute garbage and they don't give her a chance. I mean, it makes sense. Like, I definitely see it. I mean, Hollywood's brutal. Acting, trying to audition is brutal. So as definitely realistic, but I think there's definitely some exaggeration to some extent there. Um, other than that, the film 
is reality. I mean, LA, the just the fact that traffic, the whole traffic thing, it, the there's traffic in the beginning, traffic in the end. That's, I mean, that's accurate. I don't live in LA, but I hear traffic is pretty bad. <laughs> that's kind of getting off topic, topic, but just the romance between the way me and Sebastian become a couple is, it's kind of, it's like, I mean, I know romance is one of the, one of the most common genres in film or in movie making, but the way Damien Chazelle wrote this, so they meet in traffic on the highway and then they see each other again when Mia runs into him at Sebastian's job and then he get he got fired so then he walks out he just brushes right past her and then they see each other again at a party and it's like it that part is a little I feel like it's a little stretch that they run into each other like three times like that but I feel like it's LA there's traffic there's parties maybe it isn't inaccurate I don't know it seems I think it eh, I don't know anyways so Sebastian and Mia, they start dating after uh, the the party that, um, well, so Mia is has a little spite towards Sebastian after the fact of um, Sebastian running past or walking past her, brushing past her at his job. And she was going to say like, oh, I just heard you play. It was amazing. And he just walks past her. So then one of the best scenes in the movie is at the party when they see each other again, like months later, I'm pretty sure. Uh, He's a piano in the band that's playing at the party. And she, you know what? I could just play the scene and it kind of speaks for itself. Any other requests? Girl in the front. I ran. I ran a fantastic suggestion. All right, piano man, tickle those ivories. Let's hit it. I remember you. And I'll admit I was a little curt that night. Curt? Okay, I was an asshole. I can admit that. Okay. But requesting Iran from a serious musician is just, it's too far. My lord, did you just say a serious musician? I don't think so. I mean, the scene is absolutely amazing. Like, you can't, she's just totally going into it. And then they have that little exchange where... Sebastian's like, well, I guess I'll see you in the movies. And, you know, he like walks off. But then Mia at the end of the party needs to get out of a conversation she doesn't want to be in. She says George Michael because he's wearing the red jacket and so on. And then they go, they dance, they talk. And from there, it's all romance. (laughs) But uh, that's just kind of giving my take on the movie a little bit. Um, I guess I'm kind of explaining. I don't need to be explaining. I just think that's a great scene where uh, Mia does the Iran uh, thing for Sebastian. That's just great. That's just great filmmaking right there. And also the way that they met, It's I feel like it's new. It's fresh to Hollywood through the romance genre. So that's just not, not me giving explanation about the movie, but it's me giving explanation on um, some great things that are incorporated to the movie that might not have... Uh, You might not have seen if you've seen the movie, you might not have thought of. So uh, that's my take on that.
So I'm going to get into some production facts. That's something um, that I want to incorporate in these movie reviews. This is going to be like a movie review um, or I guess you could say it's it's just a conversation with myself and uh, the listener just talking about what's going on in the movie, what's happened, who who shot it, who directed, actors, da-da-da. So here we are with production facts. The opening scene was shot on 200-degree days, and it was also filmed where a part from Speed was shot, which is very cool. I mean, the fact that they shot on 200-degree days is just, that's in L.A. Like, that would be unbearable, absolutely unbearable, and they still did it. Secondly, uh, Magic Hour scene is not CGI. Uh, the scene I'm talking about is after the party. Mia and Sebastian, they, they're in the hills and they're walking on the road. And then there's this overlook where they then they start to they break out and dancing. And it took 30 minutes to shoot this. They only had two days to shoot it. And it was precisely between 7.20 and 7.50 p.m. So... The scene, I think, is like maybe five or six minutes, and it's a one shot. It's one take, unbroken, no cuts, and then they had to run back, wipe off the sweat, do it again in that 30-minute window, which is crazy, and they did that four times, and the fourth take was used in the film. Uh, Ryan Gosling learned piano for three months in pre-production, and he remarks it as being one of the most fulfilling pre-production periods he has ever had. Most people are blown away by this because he is pretty good at playing piano in the movie. And he had always wished he had time to learn, but he never did. But he did have some experience, but could never play at an expert level. So people think he like just first time played piano, but he did have some experience beforehand. So even though it's absolutely amazing he learned this in three months, he had played piano before. Kind of a quick short note after that, John Legend had to learn a guitar for his role. John Legend's known as being a piano player, but he had to learn guitar. Uh, Manny Moore, the choreographer for this movie, choreographed dancing rehearsals for two to three months every day before, before shooting. That's what, uh, Emma Stone says that one in an interview. And the sequence where me and Sebastian land perfectly in their chairs was shot backwards and then run reverse. So you see them fall into their chairs perfectly and then swiftly they hold hands and then they kiss but actually you're seeing like that was oh gosh this is getting confusing this is like tenant it's like the inversion reverse let me just (laughs) so they're actually sitting down or they actually kiss hold hands and then pan uh it not pans it dollies back and then they float up in the air and then it was reversed to make it look like they landed perfectly in the chair, but it was really just shot backwards. So that's pretty cool to me. Throughout the film, Casablanca is mentioned. Um, Mia has a poster of of Ingram Bergman behind her in her room at her apartment. Um, she mentions that she watched Casablanca with her grandma from the, the library across the corner. And then she works at, um, she's a barista at her job on the lot. And the, the window from Casablanca is right across her work. But there is an homage to Casablanca at the end of the film when Sebastian is surprised to see Mia. In Casablanca, Rick is stunned to see Victor and Ilsa at his restaurant because why would he expect them to be there? And there's also... Oh, so the homage is at the end of the movie, Sebastian 
is he's he's at his club and he looks up and he sees Mia. And that is the homage to Casablanca because when Rick is done to see Ilsa at his restaurant, that's the homage when they make that eye contact and it's like, whoa, you're here? What? So the the movie has plenty of Casablanca references and that's just a great movie that, I mean, it's one of the best films, really. I mean, Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, classic movie. If you haven't seen Casablanca, definitely watch it classic movie that is a movie you need to see before you die gladly i've seen that years ago i should watch it again definitely but yes definitely watch that the first and last time me and sebastian meet is because of traffic i think that's probably one of the coolest facts about this is that they meet because of traffic because and then at the end they meet it's that's such a subtle thing that you wouldn't notice like if you if no one told you i guess i mean you could have thought of that probably but like he she's with his her husband at the end of the movie mia and then they get off the highway because of traffic and then event and then she sees sebastian and if they hadn't gotten stuck in traffic she wouldn't have seen sebastian or many other things she wouldn't have seen sebastian but that's pretty cool they met for the first time and the last time they met was because of traffic that's very that's very awesome to me also the last season that is mentioned in the movie the word fall comes up and is not just a representation of the season it's also a foreshadowing to what's coming to me and sebastian's relationship there's a black background behind the word fall and uh, the previous seasons had this had nice backdrops so it's not as joyful to the other seasons and it's the foreshadowing to that they're going to break up and actually apart from the 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 traffic thing the first and last time me and sebastian meet because of traffic so there i did 10 facts and this is the 10th one this is i saved tried to save the best for last in my opinion the song played in towards the beginning of the movie when we're getting the introduction of mia she goes to a party with her roommates and she sings a called she sings a song called someone in the crowd when she sings the song, Someone in the Crowd, this is foreshadowing to Mia's success as an actress, or it's foreshadowing to Mia's success as an actress since the casting director just happened to be that someone in the crowd at her one-woman show at her play. So if you really just take it in when you're watching that scene where she's at the party and I'm pretty sure she goes into a bathroom and she's singing i'm not gonna sing actually so <laughs> she's singing the someone in the crowd and the best movies have songs that incorporate them to the story there's not many movies that do that i can't really think off of the top of my head other movies that do that but this is a great example right here that is perfect screenwriting if you have a song that can foreshadow to something later on in the movie or that it gives some sort of symbolism or more explanation to the story. I mean, if a song is, this song is about Mia trying to find that someone in the crowd, and then that incorporates later on in the film. That's just great screenwriting. It's great by Damon Chazelle, the fact that he thought of that and did that. So probably one of the best facts about La La Land. And just those little details, like all those, I listed 10 facts about la la land and just those 10 facts is it's really 
those little details that make you that makes me love movies and hopefully anyone listening it makes you just really appreciate what they do in hollywood it's not just you know it's not shooting it's not taking things for granted you have these amazing actors and you're going to do whatever you can to get the shot you want it's not just going on doing whatever doing being lazy it's more than that hollywood is truly an amazing place and people say cinema is dying and it is not there's so many things for us to learn we can still be creative there are still stories being made every day i mean netflix like just has so many shows obviously some better than others but i think there's so much more to be told and it's only been a hundred years since we've started telling stories through movies i mean i really think that cinema and movies films is just it's going to be around for a while at least i hope so because this is the career i want to go into so that is the production facts la la land just absolutely amazing oh i'm also wearing my written and directed my quentin tarantino shirt today the boy so i wanted to go over the movie I myself broke down the movie into 10 different scenes, not scenes, but like 10 different parts, I should say, because they're not scenes. They're just kind of, I think, the pivotal moments of the movie. So I wrote down 10 things. And so I wrote down from the start of the movie to uh, 17 minutes. Um, There's the highway dance scene, Mia's intro with her audition, her dancing roommates, her party and then walking to Sebastian's job after she realized her car has been towed. So I want to go over some of the parts in here. Each of these 10 um, uh, things I've listed, I'm not going to go over. I might go over one more than the other, and I might just cruise by one or two of them just because um, I'm going to talk about cinematography, um, the acting, dialogue, just kind of going through each of these scenes and what's great about them. So that's what I'm going to be doing for this portion of the of the podcast. So in the beginning of the film, we have the infamous highway scene and everyone starts dancing and they, you know, as I said earlier, it took them 2 days to shoot this. And this is when Sebastian and Mia meet on the road. It's just overall, I think it's a it's a connection between older musicals and it's bringing new life and modern acting and just modern filmmaking in general, just to this scene. And it's really, it's just beautiful. I mean, the colors that you've got yellow, you've got red, green, blue, and they throughout this movie, actually, those colors are used frequently and they really made it a vibrant scene and very pleasant to listen to the song. It's it's really good scene to start off the film and it really sets you up for what you're going to be seeing that it's just this beautiful movie about people wanting to chase their dreams. So after the highway scene, Mia and Sebastian honk at each other and Mia flips off Sebastian. And then she goes to audition where she cries and she gets absolutely someone comes in on her and she has to stop the audition because someone comes in. So 
And we have her and her roommates dancing uh, in her apartment or they go into a song and they start telling Mia she needs to go to the party to meet someone because she's like all sad that her audition didn't go well. And here it's, it's, I wish there was kind of like more of this. It's kind of this is fun. Her roommates are kind of messing with her, telling her she needs to go with this to this party. They're kind of picking on her. Not in the fact that they should have done it to pick on her, but it's kind of just they. It lets the film lets loose a little bit, and it turns into this. Okay, Mia, Mia's gonna stay home. Her friends are leaving. They're telling her she needs to go out and have a good time. So her friends are on their way out the door, and then she decides she's gonna go to the party. And sure enough, the party leads to this great sequence of you know you've got the the camera panning around in the pool it's it's really that's what that's i feel like when the film takes off is after this party party sequence and and the the roommates dancing that they go out to mia's car and you know you know what i just realized maybe they needed mia just to take her car because I'm pretty sure she's the one that gets in the driver's seat. I'm playing it right now. Yeah, she gets in the car. Maybe her roommates don't have cars. They need her to drive, even though that's probably not what happened. I'm just putting it out there. We have the great scene of all the, or not scene, but it's the shots of the of the signs. That's great. So after the party, she leaves. Her car got towed. And then she's walking along and there's that great shot of her walking along that mural. And that mural is beautiful, beautiful. And there's the red on the right side. It's just, I mean, that, that, this shot alone is just, it's great. I'll put it in the video for those listening. You won't be able to see it, but it will be in the video. Absolutely just a great shot. And then Mia walks in, sees Sebastian playing. She loves the song excuse me and then sebastian walks by her and then it cuts back to him on the highway he goes to the van beek he looks at it ever so mad that it's now asambas and tapas place and there's a really great shot of him while he's drinking coffee and it's got the oranges in the background i love that shot just the color beautiful so i think and then you get a sense of who Sebastian is. And you also meet uh, his sister. And then going from there, me and Sebastian, this is when they run into each other. Or after it, you get the introduction of Mia and then the introduction of Sebastian. And it goes into, now that you understand who the two characters are, it kind of, they're starting to connect and they run into each other. And shortly after the the summer party where the Iran sequence scene happens, um, they have the magic hour scene. And this is where Mia and Sebastian finally connect. They realize they have this common interest, which I guess you could say like is dancing or singing together, even though that's like the the fakeness of it all. And they kind of play along with each other in the song. They're kind of like going back and forth. And at the end of it, Mia gets a call from her current boyfriend, which 
Sebastian's like, okay, whatever. Gonna have to forget about it. But he does not. Sebastian sneaks onto the lot of where Mia works. And there's not really much here except they, they meet. They talk about the Casablanca window. But a great part that happens is, or that I noticed the second time watching, is when Mia explains that she watched movies from at the library in Boulder City. It was right across where she lived. Later on in the movie, Sebastian goes to her house and he remembers because of when she told him that she lived um, from the library across the street or she lived across from the library. That was great. That was just great writing right there. And also while they're on the lot, a this is another little fun fact. There, the first movie Damien Chazelle did, or is a short guy and Madeline on a park bench. The sign walks by in the background. The sign, the sign <laughs> strolls by in the background while they're on the lot, and that was pretty great. That was really great. So Mia and Sebastian they go to a club. They talk about jazz after Mia has just claimed that she doesn't like jazz. They make a date, even though she does have a boyfriend. But one of the most beautiful scenes, I think, in the movie happens right after that, and that is City of Stars, or where Ryan Gosling sings City of Stars. And I'm watching it right now, and it has, you can see the lights in the background, they kind of, or the lights across the pier serve as practical lights, and they have some lens flares as it goes by, but really the sunset as the camera moves around and you see that pink like yellow sunset as he sings it's kind of like serves as the as this emotional point in the film where sebastian is realizing maybe he has a chance with mia or mia is there's something more to what's happening between them and from here it's starting to turn into this relationship between Mia and Sebastian really something is happening here so Mia eventually breaks up with her boyfriend and she meets Sebastian at the movie theater they watch Rebel Without a Cause James Dean I got the bullets I love that uh, Ryan Gosling has that line in uh, in the movie but then if we go to the observatory scene also, just another beautifully shot scene. I mean, you've got the lights and everything. They have the the CGI with them in the in space, which is great. It's beautiful. When I watched this movie for the first time, I think this was the scene I fell in love with that made me want to watch it again because I love movies that have this have the La La Land feel. I mean, you not all movies do it, but when I say La La Land feel, uh, it's well now I can say it because of this movie. But movies that go into things that are fake, like I mean, in real life, no one would just float up and start flying through space in real life. It's just I like the fact that it's it's playing around with reality and they're it's it is a la la land like it it really serves the title well and they go into this this place that that isn't real so they they can be together it's it's not really 
at that deep, but it really is it's just beautiful. I mean, there's not much more to say than that, you know? It's just a great part of the movie, very much. Very good part. So after the observatory scene, um, Sebastian joins Keith's band. Mia's going to start her play. And if we go later on to the f- into, into the film, we see there's this great scene where Sebastian and Mia are at home. He had just watched her audition or like her play she did it for him and he was the only one watching and there's this great red light it's it's over a lamp you know i think there's actually just yeah there's like a shirt or a shade over the lamp and it makes this beautiful light this practical light that just sits there and they lay down they talk and that scene is beautiful like it's just you know, they're really in love then. They're really in love right there. So Sebastian goes on playing his his band. And there's some nice montage in here. There's a little bit of uh, Mia writing her play, Sebastian in the band. He signs his his deal with the band. And then there's also a great part where Mia and Sebastian play on piano together. And there's that green that green light which is probably on set and they just have that green um curtain or it might be a white curtain actually but then they had a light behind that with some sort of green blue tint gel and that's what creates that nice blue and then their faces have that nice orange light on it it just makes for nice contrast and then we keep going on and me and Sebastian have the fight about, you know, Sebastian's dreams, Mia, what she's doing. And this is the turning point of their relationship. And I think the writing here, it's very good because as the conversation escalates, they get more frustrated with each other and where this conversation is going. They don't really know why they're fighting, but they're fighting. So it's... Very good screenwriting by Damien Chazelle because you. Know, I feel like conversations escalate in other movies, but this is it's a little more special because it's a really the movie is about these two, and then they we know we kind of know that this moment is coming because Sebastian took this job and Mia is wondering if he really likes the music he's playing. Like we really don't know. Um, until this fight and he says he does like it um another scene i can think of that really escalates uh in dialogue is the bar scene in inglorious bastards just a great long scene where dialogue goes on and plays out to an inciting incident and the inciting incident or it's not an insight inciting incident inciting incident is what Uh, pushes the movie forward after it happens but i guess like a climax of a scene so here in this scene uh ryan gosling sebastian says maybe you'd feel uh maybe you felt better about yourself when i when he was on his ass and that's the climax of this scene it's just like that's when mia gets up and leaves and from there you know their relationship is never the same sebastian 
misses her play. Um, but he does take her to the audition, which eventually brings her fame. So that was really good of him. And they, of course, after this little part where they're at this tough spot plays out, they say that they're always going to love each other. I feel like the film made us think they hated each other for a little bit, which wasn't exactly, I feel like, the best idea. I mean, I see what they were trying to do, or Damien Chazelle was trying to do. He was just trying to push the story forward to this point where Mia is going to get this this acting job and then they will eventually split up because she has to move away or to pursue her acting career. So they split up and then five years goes by and Mia Dolan, Emma Stone, is now an actress. And Sebastian owns his club, which is a bit, which is ultimately what both of their dreams were. And then, because of traffic, Mia and her husband go into Sebastian's club. Well, they don't know it's Sebastian's club. And then they walk in, and it's Seb's, uh, the logo that she drew earlier on in the movie for him. And then that is when the film goes into a complete la-la land. I love using that term just because that's exactly what it is. And... It goes into this a whole it's it's its own movie in itself really because it's what could have happened between Mia and Sebastian they they fall in love in this this imagination that the film creates and we see what could have happened if things just went a little differently it's kind of like the butterfly effect and they they would have kissed at the job at Sebastian's job. Um, Sebastian would have been at her play. And then they would have gotten successful together. Uh, Mia would have gotten hired as an actress. They would have moved to Paris. Sebastian would have had his own club in Paris. They would have had a kid. They would have been happy. And then da da da. Like that. The music during that part of the movie gives me goosebumps i'm probably going to throw in a part here that gives me goosebumps just because this is probably the best part of the movie and if you have not seen the movie i mean if you have listened up until this point and you've let me spoil everything for you definitely do not watch this part then mia leaves the club with her husband but right before she leaves she turns around and looks at Sebastian and they give each other probably the most like happiest looks you could have expected at the end of the film. And they really just admire what both of them did in their lives and they pursued their dreams and they, they achieved them. And they, they make that nod to each other where they're both like, you know, we broke up, but, you know, we were always going to love each other, even though we're separated and we support each other in the past. And we still support each other now, even though we're not together and we've moved on. And that is the end of the film. Just a great overall movie. I think Damon Chazelle hasn't missed. He made Whiplash. Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons and then First Man with Ryan Gosling and Amy Adams he's an absolutely great director and he's going on to do more I mean he's got a new movie coming out I'm not I can't remember what the 
title of it is as of right now. I think I'm going to look it up. Damien Chazelle new movie Babylon. Uh, Damien Chazelle has a new movie Babylon coming out, which I will definitely be watching because I know it's most likely going to be amazing. So Damien Chazelle, La La Land, 2016, absolutely amazing movie. And somehow, if you got to this point in the podcast and you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. Great movie that won, I think it won six Oscars, five or six. And I know Damien Chazelle was the youngest person to win Best Directing. Best Actress, Emma Stone, winner. Best Original Score, winner. Best Director, Cinematography for, uh, yeah, five wins. Best Production Design, Best Cinematography, Best Director, Best Original Score, and Best Actress. Absolutely stunning. And Ryan Gosling did not win for Best Actor. Damon Chazelle didn't win for Screenplay. Didn't win for Editing. Didn't win for Costume Design or Best Picture. Just really, it, it killed that year. I mean, five Oscars. That's just, you know, sometimes the Oscars, the, some of the films just have those wipes. It just what It's what just happened to Parasite. I think Parasite won four, four Oscars and including best picture so it was one of those films that just really really blew people away and that it deserved it it's just i really hope people accept it what it is and don't think it's overrated because it really is a great piece of cinema and it shouldn't go unnoticed at the least excuse me but that is la la land uh i'm so glad if you got to this point of the podcast and listened I just want to say thank you for the the love and support on the last podcast. Hopefully this one was enjoyed. This podcast, I tried to switch it up with the lighting a little bit. I've got um, like this right here, and I've got the lighting over here. It's just a little bit darker. Hope it turned out nice. Um, hope it was exciting. If you want to leave me some feedback on the podcast, definitely leave it in the comments. Or um, if you follow me on Instagram or anything like that, shoot me a message on there. Or if we're cool or if we're close you can just shoot me a message so uh in the next podcast i definitely look forward to i think i'm going to be doing a podcast on roger deakins and his filmography and some of his amazing shots just going over what he's done and the work he has completed in his career i would really like to just discuss the beautiful shots and put his work out there on this podcast and talk about that So thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you in the next episode.